0: Looking kind of like this is a show, almost. This is kind of like looking like it's a show. This is starting to look like this is like a show or something. I don't even know what we're gonna do. This is starting to look like some kind of entertainment. And as such, there probably is something like that we have to do, like, Hello and welcome to the tip show Spooktacular. We're almost back. I've got my slaves just working in the word mines daily now. They're little Morlocks, they never see the fucking surface of the earth anymore. I've got them working harder than, uh, employees did on Red Dead Redemption 2. That's a joke for nobody here, but it's very funny because the boss talked about how cool it was that everybody worked 100 hours a week on it. And all I can think of is that's like Gilded Age slavery, dude. I don't fucking, what? Oh, hello! Hello! How's everybody doing? I have an official show beginning today. Before we begin. Like it's an actual show. I actually like sat down and wrote something, and uh, I I I'm gonna you know do it now. Uh, I'm gonna free will it just a little bit. But of all the stories that I went traveling, uh, and and all the weird people and all the strange things that happened to me, this is the funnest story. Uh, I thought about like maybe telling them all. There's about a half dozen, but then I realized this story's kind of long. And this story is for sure the most fun. So here, for the very first time, a brand new segment. Get used to it. There's going to be a lot of brand new segments that I never do again. A brand new segment for the first time. Travel Tales. And it's even got its own theme song. Here it goes. Travel Tales. I have no fear because I'm a white male. I never will be impaled. These are my travel tales. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gummy Bears, except Travel Tales. Okay! For those of you who don't know, Gummy Bears was a TV show on Disney, and it wasn't very good. But the theme song was Jizzope. The theme song was the shit. Oh, I listened to the theme song at the beginning and end, and then I switched right back to Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon and Disney Channel were right next to each other, I would hear the Gummy Bears theme song, and then I would switch right on over to whatever the fuck Nickelodeon was playing, because it was better. Better than Gummy Bears. Gummy Bears were stupid, and absolutely, absolutely not. I actually have heard the Danish version of Gummy Bears, because I have a Danish ex, and I made her sing it. And the Danish version of Gummy Bears has like a 100,000 times more syllables than the English. She sang, I made her sing all kinds of shit, like the Disney stuff, like, hey, sing, sing me the song from Mulan, and then I'd be like, ha wrong, because she would, she, because it's not even in the same tune or anything, it's not like, be a man, you must be swift, it's like the Danish version, is like, ga 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 wrong, wrong with your stupid language, okay, that's enough getting mad at Denmark, I've already done that for the last two years. I don't need to get any more angry at Denmark. I even have a verb for it. I call it Hamletting. We're not doing it anymore. We're not getting mad at Denmark anymore. Okay. It should really, if you want to make that joke uh, more <laughs> more accurately Shakespearean, I sh- it should definitely be called Fortenbraing. But I couldn't think of Fortenbra's name. I couldn't remember it because I'm too dyslexic. I'm like he's Norwegian. There's two of them. They hate Hamlet. They hate Hamlet. They're Norwegian. Begins with an F. They hate Hamlet. Fortenbrain! Fortenbrain! All right. Yeah, that's right. I know the bad guy from Hamlet. And I know the bad guy from Hamlet's father's name. And I know what country he's from. So suck it. Travel tales. This is the only fun travel tale before I begin reading from the actual journey tonight. I just want to set it up a little bit. I've been driving out to California. So you have to keep in mind, I drove 12 hours before the start of this story. 12 consecutive hours before the beginning of this story. Uh, driving out and spending all kinds of money, uh, looking for a place in California. Uh, this is not my first trip and I've not had successful trips in the past. So that's what you need to know about my mindset because I'm, uh, pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself. So here it is, the first travel tale. <clears throat> Before we begin tonight, I have a story about an Airbnb I stayed in when I was looking for places to stay in California. I've had a few strange run-ins at Airbnbs, but nothing like this. I would have taken pictures if it wouldn't have instantly identified myself and where this story took place. So it's the night before I'm looking for real estate, and all of my appointments are the next day. I'm just relaxing, and I'm trying to enjoy an early night. I drove out the night before. Arrived around noon, checked in early, slept for about five, six hours, got up, was going to get some food, go back to sleep, wake up the next morning. First appointment was 8.30 in the morning. So uh, I can't figure out, uh, or or I'm just trying to figure out what to do that evening. I've got nothing else to do, and I am groggy. I'm going to get back more sleep. So I Google what's around me, and I find that there's a Subway store, which I love Subway when I'm on the road. Uh, that sells booze. I was like, okay, that's two for one. And then I'm in California, so there is a legal dispensary right next to that. And I say, well, that sounds like a nightcap, if I've ever heard one, right? That's a pretty good nightcap. So I go and I get my sandwich, I get my booze, and I go to the dispensary, but they only have uh, a cash-only policy. And I have my my ATM card on me. So they're very nice about it, and they tell me when an ATM is right near, and uh, they promised me a free gram because it's my first time, and I'm like, oh, I don't really need that. anyway. But thank you. So I go, I get the cash, I come back, they're all apologetic, they're super nice, and I spend $10 to buy one joint and one lighter. $10 is my purchase. But they have a policy at this place where not only did this person promise me a free gram, but the first time you buy any weed from them, you get a free gram joint. So I bought a joint. She threw one in. And then the policy is, hey, you get one your first time. And then there were two girls in there just high as fucking balls, not working. There were two girls just on a couch in there, high as balls. I've never seen it before. And one of them just went, hey, are you from around here? I'm, No, actually, I'm from Albuquerque, and she, like, cut me off midway through, and she just looks at the woman behind the counter and goes, Hey, he's not from around here. Give him extra. So they throw four joints into this bag. Ten dollars. They throw four joints in the lighter into this bag, and all I can think of is, it's four joints! It's four joints! I look at the clock. It's 7.15 at night, and my first appointment is at 8.30 the next day, and I'm not smoking anywhere I one of the next day. I'm looking at shit, and then I'm driving, driving to the next town. Then that's it. So there's no marijuana the next day. There's been no marijuana this day. I just wanted a little bit to get to sleep. And they hand me four joints at 7.15 p.m. And I'm thinking, there's absolutely no way I'm even going to get through one of these. So it's about 8.30, and I'm halfway through the second joint. And hold for laughter, hold for laughter, hold for laughter, hold for laughter. Okay, it's 8.30. I'm second way, I'm halfway through the second joint. And I know it's exactly 8.30, just like I knew it was exactly 7.15. And I'll tell you why. I knew it was exactly 7.15, because there was a clock and I looked up and I saw it. Now, I'm outside when this story takes place. I have my sandwich half eaten, half in a bag. I'm on my second beer. I bought tall boys, their pints. I'm on my second joint, and I'm feeling pretty fucking groovy. I'm outside. I'm staring at the stars. It's a beautiful California evening. Uh, It's a new place. It's a new town. My Airbnb is right there. It's about 30 feet away, walking distance. I'm sitting in a lawn chair. It's 829. 830 happens. And I know it's exactly 830 because the sprinklers turn all the fucking on all around me at this guy's Airbnb. So, the sprinklers turn on, and I'm high, I'm a little bit intoxicated, and I go, Ah, fuck! Ah, shit! Ah! Right? Because, I mean, that's what you do. I mean, most people are as profane as me, but that's what I do when I'm surprised, right? Like, if I'm in a lake, and I feel something touch my foot, I don't go, Ah! I don't go, I start kicking at it as hard as I can, going, Fuck! 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 I don't want to (laughs) die! Which is how I lost that job being a ca- counselor at Crystal Lake. So, I absolutely positively am just screaming like a wild man. I'm trying to, first I, first I'm jumping out of my chair because I don't know what's happening, but my phone is out, right? I'm on my phone and shit. Ah! I'm just trying to get my soggy fucking sandwich underneath my hoodie that's out as well. I'm not wearing the hoodie, I'm just tucking it in. Ah! Now, the guy who hears the Airbnb, the guy who runs the Airbnb, fucking hears this, right? And he comes out, running out, "Ah!" because he assumes I'm being attacked. Now, why might he assume this? (laughs) Well, what I haven't told you is the location of this Airbnb. So it's in a bad part of town, for one. But the second thing about this Airbnb is, and the reason why I didn't take any pictures of it, because they would be too identifying, is because... The Airbnb itself is in a beautiful series of cottages. It's a cottage in a beautiful series of cottages. They were formerly workmen's barracks, and now they're cottages. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I've seen a lot of repurposed rooms. I've slept in carriage houses with Airbnb, garages. It's fine. But what he didn't tell me, or what he doesn't advertise on Airbnb, is what's directly... In front of these cottages that these workmen used to live in. And that is an industrial scrapyard. The Airbnb (laughs) cottages are just on the back of an an operation industrial scrapyard. In which people use industrial scrap tools and techniques from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then it's an Airbnb at night. And it's in a bad area because, I don't know if you know this, but uh, people don't build industrial scrapyards in the middle of nice fucking areas of town. It's not like, ooh, it's a Tiffany's, and a golf course, and an industrial scrapyard, they have everything here. No. Industrial scrapyards pop up where there's enough homeless people to push shopping carts full of shit to them. That's where they exist. That's where they live. That's, that's the whole thing. So he's, he actually says the words. He's just, he's relieved that it's just a man who's screaming. And he says the words to me. Oh, thank God. I thought you were one of the high ones. Well, I am very high. And I feel like he has to smell it on me because I have smoked a gram and a half of fucking weed in the last like 45 to 50 minutes, right? I didn't teleport back this location i had to drive back it was 7:15. there was some driving there was some situating and then there was some smoking so i've been smoking pretty fast i'm pretty fucking high right however he doesn't want to stop talking to me and he is what i call an alex jones type that is not to say that you should think of alex jones when you think of this man but you should definitely think of somebody who turns into a show and is all like, oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. And I, I call these people the Alex Jones type, these type of guys, because they love me. I don't know what it is. I have a pheromone or something. There's something about me where they're like, oh, I bet you think the Jews are responsible for killing everybody too. No, I don't. But people assume that about me, and whenever there's like a tea party rally or something, I get pamphlets. Anyway, so... He starts talking about, like, you know, this is a shitty, shitty, shitty situation. I think we can all agree. I'm keeping my nice face on. I'm high as fucking balls. And he just starts talking about economics. Now, I'm high enough that I don't remember how that started. But it was pretty quick. I remember the conversation pretty well. And he slides right into the fucking econ theory. He's skinny. He's about five foot six. He's about 55 to 60. And he's fairly friendly. He's got a fairly high pitched voice. And he's just kind of a dork, but he's very, very conservative. And he starts talking about how economies need mines and militaries to make money. You need to mine things out of the ground and then Make weapons and hire soldiers, otherwise you'll never have an economy. And I don't quite know how to debate this, so I just keep asking him questions like, what about this? What about software? Does, doesn't software add value to the economy? No! Software doesn't add value to the Microsoft doesn't add anything to the value! What value is there? I, I booked airbnb only exists because of the internet and i only booked with you no that's not right and he just he's fucking adamant about this like i asked him about other countries that don't just mine everything or don't have a lot to mine or don't have military he's like well they better otherwise someone's coming like he's just that's his economic theory is you better mine things and have a military otherwise it's all over and so i run it all down though recreation doesn't improve the economy. No, the miners who who make the things, the soldiers who go out, they don't need to do something and spend money. No! They, all this. No! And so finally, I I ask him like, well, I need a place to stay before I have a place to rid, live, right? He's like, yeah, like so giving that money to Airbnb has no value to the economy. He's like, no! Wait, yes. Airbnb is very valuable at being an Airbnb host. So, I know that I fucking got him, right? I know that I fucking got him and that's enough for me because I'm high and we both know that I got him and he's very nice about it too. (laughs) And so I say, hey, I'm just going to go inside uh, and, you know, straighten up. Thanks again for the chat. Thanks for checking on me. He's like, oh, no worries. He's very friendly. We're very friendly to each other right now. And as I'm turning to get inside my little cabin, he says, oh, by the way, what do you do for a living? You never told me. And so I just turn to him and I say, I'm trying to be very, very charming. And I say, Oh, I'm one of those people you think doesn't contribute very much to society. I'm a voice actor. And I'm very, I say this in a very friendly way. We're very friendly. And he's got a big smile on his face when he asks me. And as soon as I say that, the smile drops from his fucking face. He takes a half dozen. Rapid paces up to me, he cranes his head up, he looks me in the eyes, he narrows his eyes, and he says, write to me without any irony or any hesitation, oh, I'm an actor too. Hold on. It gets deeper from here. Hold on. This is why this is the one story I'm telling you. I thought it might be worth it because we're not done. That's not the climax. So I proceed to beg to go inside. The water's mostly dry, but I'm like, I'm going to dry off because I don't know what to do with that. And all I want to do is laugh. And he's like, Oh, sure, I understand. I'll just talk to you through your screen door. <laughs> Because there's a screen door that's you can't see through at it all. It's a little cabin. So I go inside, and he's just chatting away about how he's an actor. And I swear to God, he writes this. He says this, and I write it down on the inside. I write it down because I don't ever, ever, ever want to forget this. <clears throat> and I was a really good actor, too, except for performing lines. You know, as they're written. Because it's too hard for me to remember them sometimes. Like that line in Shakespeare, What light through yonder window breaks? I couldn't get that. So I said, what light is over there? Well, I don't quite know what he was expecting. But I, I've i toweled off, and I've changed shirts at this point, And I emerged from my screen door... And I just look at him and keep in mind I'm very, 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 very high at this point. And I just ask him earnestly, You played Juliet? To which he walked off very quickly shortly after. <laughs> I don't I don't think he thought that I would know who said that line. I don't think he knew that I would know that. That <laughs> he gave me a 14-year-old girl's line? <laughs> which is why I focused on it so hard. Like, a late, like wait, what? <laughs> so I wait for him to go. There's stairs, and I can hear him go up the stairs. And then I can hear him come back down the stairs. I'm like, well, I'm going to wait inside here for a second. Just Jurassic Park T-Rex rules. If he can't see me and I don't move, he won't know I exist. And then I hear him go back up the stairs. And I come back outside after he's back up the stairs. I've decided to give up on the half a soggy joint, and I'm just going to start on joint number three. And sitting at the table where we talked are two of his ice-cold, unopened beers and a couple of packages of snacks. And a little note that said, thanks for the conversation. Sorry, the sprinklers got ya. So he was very, very, very nice. Very nice. Can't make too much fun of him. He was very, very nice. Yeah, you sorry, the sprinklers got my sandwich. He saw that they got half, I, I guess I didn't put that in. He saw that the sprinklers got my sandwich soggy, half my sandwich soggy. He saw that I spilled my beer. He didn't have any weed to offer me. But he was cool enough not to, to talk about how he's smoking weed. So, we're, we're alright. We're cool. So that's the story. <clears throat> and I, I just, for the rest of my days, I'll never forget that fucking guy coming up to me with his glowing eyes narrowed and set. Oh, I'm an actor too. For the rest of my goddamn days. Oh my fucking Christ. I could not! Everything I could do could not just laugh like a monkey in his face. Like, what is happening? I wanted to ask him so many questions. I'm sorry, when you were an actor, what medals did you primarily mine? Who did you guard? Who was your commanding officer when you were an actor? What would you say is the best sidearm for an actor to carry in active duty service? What kind of hard hats were you wearing? You piece of shit. Well, he's the one who kept saying it's only miners and soldiers over and over again. Ugh. Over and over and over again. I couldn't ever. Okay, guys. It's time for Quick Quotes. It's time for Quick Quotes. That's all the shit I had prepared. If you put in quotations and you put it in Discord, I will say that shit out loud. Didn't rhyme. Okay. That's all I had for you guys. I had 20 minutes of of travel tales. <clears throat> Come, get in my lap, little girl. If you put it in quotations, I will say it. If you've ever want me to say something, this is your chance to hear it. Allie, would you be so kind as to throw up the tip jar? We'll do one at the beginning and one at the end. One at the beginning for people who do have to go, and one at the end for people that I've impressed all the more all the way through. Thank you so much, Allie. I do appreciate it. Okay. You're so brave, little girl. Good morning, baby girl. That's how you wind it, right? <clears throat> you are such a good girl for daddy. Don't worry. I know what to do with a girl like you. Drink or treat, baby girl. Don't be a drag. Just be a queen. I know you can shake that ass. Now do it, little girl. Come over here and sit on my face. When someone asks if you're a god, you say yes! Fuck yeah, man. Winston... Winston and Egon went back and back as my favorite Ghostbuster. A lot of people think it's going to be Vankman. I don't blame them. Vankman does have the best lines. Hey, man, back off. I'm the scientist. That's an amazing fucking line. When Harold Ramis wrote that line and pressed enter, the gods smiled upon him. Your ass looks amazing in those jeans. What do you want on your sandwich? I want a sandwich. You should be riding, little girl. Bend down and let me pull your hair, little girl. Just smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Kowalski, status report. Get some sleep, baby girl. we have got a long day ahead of us. Stop squirming, little girl, or I will give you something to squirm about. Bitch better have my money. Whenever I see that, I do think of Rihanna. So, she won. Uh, Yeah, we're not doing any Rick and Morty. You can go get some Szechuan sauce somewhere else. Sorry. (laughs) I like Rick and Morty, but it's not very quotable out of context. It's like Ren and Stimpy. It's fun while you're watching it, but then the moment it's over, it's like, "Mm, it's kind (laughs) of (laughs) gross. Like, I love, I love running and Stimpy, but boy, you cannot quote that show at all. Don't whiz on the electric fence. And then I just do it, right? Because that's how I throw it down. Oh, baby, come and make me come. Uh, I don't know how to say this, obviously, but I'm going to give it a shot. <clears throat> Mahal kita. Repeat after me. I will be a good girl for daddy. What did I say? What, what did Mahal kita mean? Did I just did I just agree to purchase like a leased car or something? Oh, I love you. That's fun. That's not a commitment. Okay, guys, we're finishing up quick quotes before we get on to the requests. If anybody has a quick quote, especially if you've not been here before, I especially like giving you new girls a little something for coming out because I do appreciate it, and I know it can be scary. Won't you let me kiss you, kitten? Now that you officially belong to me, I'll show you what it means to be mine. Okay, guys, wrapping it up. If you have made a request before, please don't make another one after this point. Wrapping it on up. New girls or first-timers, somebody who's not put one in tonight, feel free. Please do so. I'm a free bitch. I wish I could do a a better Lieutenant Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Because all these, all these women lines coming from his voice would be much more funny. <clears throat> Close your eyes. I want you to guess what's coming next. Are you not entertained? I've always thought that line was over the top. I'm actually not a huge fan of that movie. I'm so proud of you, little one. Roll for initiative. Don't mind me, just admiring the view. Hi, I'm Connor, an android sent by CyberLife. I bleed cranberry. Okay, guys, okay. Lots of fun. Again, if you've put one in, that should be all, because we're closing it on up. Any last ones? Any new girls? Anybody who didn't put one in? Be brave, be brave, be brave. Now's your time. This is it. Closing the door. I'd love to end it on a new girl. Love to end it on somebody who has something to say, but weren't brave enough to do it before now. I'd love to do it before right now, now, now. I'd love to do it for a new girl who hasn't asked for anything. I'd love to do it I'd love to do it Good morning, baby girl. I missed your voice. Okay. Thank you guys so much. That was quick quotes. We're getting better and better and better at it. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. (sighs) Yes. Yes, you are right to praise me. I accept your praise, and you are correct to give it. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Do not mind... The sounds of things happening, nothing is happening. Ignore the sounds of things happening, nothing is happening. Do not be concerned by the consternations that are currently uh, conversing. They're of no concern to you. See, this is why I should show up high. Because this is still completely sober. This is still completely sober. This is still 100%. This is just naturally what happens when I'm having a good time, showing up, coming out? Thank you guys all so much for coming out with me, having a nice evening with your requests, everything about it. I really enjoy it. I hope that you guys too uh, do too. Let's get into it. Uh, for those of you who are unaware before I began, I wanted to start off tonight with a song, Been working on a song. It's from Lord Huron's newest album, but it's too breathy. It's it's it's, uh, it's It involves a lot of breath control, so I didn't feel comfortable uh, just belting that out, uh, along with everything else that I'd be doing this hour, because it's kind of a long show as is. So instead, that is for free on the Patreon. Uh, you can just go ahead and hear that. It is a complicated song to sing. It's, it's kind of a duet with yourself, and the way that the guy sings it, he only sings half of it, but I sing the whole thing, uh, and it's kind of a proof of breath control, so... That is on there for all you guys who miss singing. I am trying to put more and more singing on there. I know you guys like it. I know you request it. Thank you very much for it. Uh, It's been interesting learning how to sing this last year and uh, trying to get better at it. Just the basics at the beginning and still just the basics now a year on. Uh, Ah, mastery. Why are you so difficult? Okay. Mm -mm. So before we no, there's nothing else. Let's just get started. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I had a dream which was not all a dream the bright sun was extinguished and the stars did wander darking into the eternal space rayless and pathless and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air morn came and went and came and brought no day and men forgot their passions in their dread of this their desolation, and all hearts were chilled in the selfish prayer for light. And they did live by watchfires, and the thrones and the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitations of all things which dwell were burnt for beacons. Cities were consumed. Men were gathered round their blazing homes to look once more into each other's faces. Happy were those who dwelt within the eye of their volcanoes and their mountain torch. A fearful hope was all the world contained. Forests were set on fire, but hour by hour they fell and faded, and their cracked trunks extinguished with a crash, and all was black. The brows of men, by the despairing light, wore an unearthly aspect, as, by fits, the flashes fell upon them. Some lay down and hid their eyes and wept, and some did rest their chins upon their clenched hands and smiled. And others hurried to and fro, and fed their funeral piles with fuel, and looked up with mad disquietude on the dull sky, the pall of the past world, and then, with curses cast them down upon the dust, and gnashed their teeth and howled, the wild birds shrieked, and, terrified, did flutter on the ground, and flap their useless wings, and wildest brutes came tame and temerless, and vipers crawled and twinned themselves among the multitude, hissing, but stingless. They were all slain for food. And war, which for a moment was no more, did glut himself again. A meal was bought with blood, and each sate sullenly apart, gorging himself in the gloom. No love was left. All earth but one was thought, and that was death. Immediate and inglorious, and the pang of famine fed upon all entrails, men died, and their bones were tombless as their flesh. The meager by the meager were devoured. Even dogs assailed their masters, all save one, and he was faithful to a course, and kept the birds and beasts and famished men at bay, till hunger clung them, or the dropping dead lured their lank jaws, himself sought out no food. But with a pity with but with a piteous and perpetual moan and a quick, desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not in a caress, he died. The crowd was famished by degrees, but two of an enormous city did survive, and they were enemies. They met beside the dying embers of an altar place where had been heaped a mass of holy things for an unholy usage. They raked Up and shivering, scraped with their cold skeletal hands the feeble ashes, and their feeble breath blew for a little life and made a flame which was a mockery. Then they lifted up their eyes as it grew lighter, and behind each other's aspects saw and shrieked and died, even of their mutual hideousness, they died, unknowing who he was upon the brow, famine had written friend. The world was void, the populace and the powerful was a lump, seasonless, herbless, treeless, manless, lifeless, a lump of death, a chaos of hard clay. The rivers, lakes, and oceans all stood still, and nothing stirred within their silent depths. Ships, sailorless, laid rotting on the sea, and their masts fell down piecemeal. As they dropped, they slept on the abyss without a surge. The waves were dead. The tides were in their grave. The moon, their mistress, had expired before. The winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished. Darkness had no need of aid from them. She was the universe. Uh, I don't actually have a title or author for that one. Something else, though, huh? We've got a couple of poems tonight. I know they're not for everybody, but I do like to do the poems first, so here is poem number two. How can you lie so still? All day I watch and never a blade of all the green sod moves to show where restlessly you toss and turn and fling a desperate arm or draw up knees stiffened and aching from their long disuse. I watch all night and not one ghost comes forth to take its freedom from the midnight hour. Oh, have you no rebellion in your bones? The very worms you must scorn of where you lie, a pallid, moldering, acquiescent folk, meek habitants of unresented graves. Why, are you there in your straight row on row where I must see, ever see from my bed? That In your mere dumb presence, iterate the text so weary in my ears. Lie still and rest. Be patient and still and rest. I will not be patient. I will not lie still. There is a brown road runs between the pines and further on the purple woodlands lie and still beside the blue mountains lift and loom and I would walk the road and I would be deep. In the wooded shade, and I would reach the windy tops that touch the clouds. My eyes may follow, but my feet are held recumbent. As you others, must I too submit? Be mimic of your own movelessness with pillow and counterpane for stone and sod? And if the many sayings of the wise teach of submission, I will not submit but with the spirit of unrecounseled flash and unrequited defiance to the stars. Better it is to walk, to run, to dance. Better it is to laugh and leap and sing, to know the open skies of the night, to move untrammeled down the flaming noon. And I will clamor it through weary days, keeping the edge of deprivation sharp, nor with the pliant speakings of my lips of resignation, sister, to defeat. I will not be patient. I will not lie still. And in ironic quietude, who is the despot of our days and lord of dust, needs but scarcely heeding, wait to drop grim, casual comment on rebellion's end. Yes, yes, wiltful and petulant, but now as dead and quiet as the others are. And this, each body and ghost, you hath heard, that in your graves you therefore lie so still. To the Dead in the Graveyard Underneath My Willow My Window Whoops By Adelaide Crapsey And now a classic A little bit slower And a little bit more metered than the last two Will you walk Into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. Tis the prettiest little parlor that you ever did spy. The way into my parlor is up a winding stair, and I have many pretty things to show you when you are there. Oh, no, 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 said the little fly, to ask me is in vain, for who goes up your winding stair can never come down. Again. I'm sure you must be weary, dear, with soaring up so high. Will you rest upon my little bed? said the spider to the fly. They are pretty curtains drawn around, the sheets are fine and thin, and if you like to rest a while, I'll snugly tuck you in. Oh, no, 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 said the little fly, for I've often heard it said they never, never wake again, who sleep. Upon your bed. Said the cunning spider to the fly, Dear friend, what shall I do To prove the warm affection I've always felt for you? I have within my pantry Good store of all that's nice. I'm sure you're very welcome. Will you please to take a slice? Oh, no, 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 said the fly, Kind sir, that cannot be. "'I have heard what's in your pantry, and I do not wish to see.' "'Sweet creature,' said the spider, "'you're witty, and you're wise, "'and how handsome are your gauzy wings, "'and how brilliant are your eyes. "'I have a little looking-glass upon my parlour shelf. "'If you have one moment, dear, you shall behold yourself.' "'I thank you, gentle sir,' she said, for what you're pleased to say, and bidding you good morning. now, I'll call another day. The spider turned round about and went into his den, for well he knew the silly fly would soon be back again. And so he wove a subtle web in a corner sly and set his table ready to dine upon the fly. Then he came out to his door again and merrily did sing, "Come hither, hither, pretty fly, and watch the pearl and silver wing. Your robes are green and purple. There's a crest upon your head. Your eyes are like your eyes are like the diamond bright, and mine, a dull, as lead." But alas, how very soon this silly little fly, hearing his wily flattering words, came slowly flitting by. With buzzing wings she hung aloft, then near and nearer drew, thinking only of her brilliant eyes in green and purple hue, thinking only of her crested head, poor foolish thing at last. Up jumped the cunning spider and fiercely held her down fast. He dragged her up his winding stair into his dismal den within his little parlor, but she never came out again. And now, dear children, who may this story read, to idle, silly, flattering words, I pray never give heed. (laughs) Unto an evil counselor, close heart, an ear, and eye, and take a lesson from this tale of the spider and the fly. Okay. (laughs) Spiders are the best. Flies are evil. I've never actually read the full thing myself. The whole time I was reading that, I was just thinking about WoW. The whole time I was reading that, I was just thinking about World of Warcraft. There's, There's an encounter with a giant spider... And as soon as you he's a boss, you have to have your friends to fight him. And as soon as you fight the giant spider, he immediately goes, Step into my parlor. And then the fight begins. <laughs> I was thinking about that fight the entire time, like all the all the times I had in that fight the entire because I mean he's you know, he said it, step into my parlor. So I, I I must have heard him say that at least fifty times. So now it's kind of stuck there. I also can't hear Daffodil without thinking of uh thinking of WoW, because there was a guy who would yell at you as you were going down to kill him. You're going to go and kill him. and WoW, people yell at you before you go and kill them. <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but they all do it. It's a great activity. And as you make your way down to kill him, he'd be like, You slack-jawed daffodils! You slack-jawed daffodils! And I still think, of, like any time you're daffodil, I immediately think, You slack-jawed daffodil. All right, all right. That's enough nerd talk for the night, probably. <clears throat> at the <clears throat> at the most remote end of the crypt, there appeared another, less spacious. Its walls had been lined with human remains, piled to the vault overhead, in the fashion of the great catacombs of Paris. Three sides of this interior crypt were still or- ornamented in this manner. From the foreside, the bones had been thrown down and lay promiscuously upon the earth, forming at one point a mound of some size. Within the wall thus exposed by the displacing of the bones, we perceived a still interior crypt, or recess, in depth about four feet, in width three in height six or seven. It seemed to have been constructed for no especial use within itself, but formed merely the interval between two of the colossal supports of the roof of the catacombs, and was backed by one of their circumscribing walls of solid granite. It was in vain that Fortunato uplifted his dull torch Endeavored to pry into the depth of the recess, its termination, the feeble light, did not enable us to see. Proceed, I said. Herein lies the amontillado. As for Lureshi, he is an ignoramus, interrupted my friend, as he stepped unsteadily forward while followed immediately at his heels. In niche, and finding an, inst- an instant he had reached the extremity of the niche, and finding his progress arrested by the rock, stood stupidly bewildered. A moment more, and I had fettered him to the granite. In its surface were two iron staples, distant from each other about two feet horizontally. From one of these depended a short chain, and from the other, a padlock. Throwing the links about his waist, it was but the work of a few seconds to secure it. He was too much astounded to resist. Withdrawing the key, I stepped back from the recess. Pass your hand, I said, over the wall. You cannot help feeling the nitre. Indeed, it is very damp. Once more, let me implore you to return. No. Then I must positively leave you. But I must first render you all the little attentions in my power. The Immatulado ejaculated my friend, still not recovered from his astonishment. True, I replied, the amontillado. As I said the words, I busied myself among the pile of bones of which I have spoken before. Throwing them aside, I soon uncovered a quantity of building stone and mortar. With these materials, and with the aid of my trowel, I began vigorously to wall up the entrance of the niche. I had scarcely laid the first tier of masonry when I discovered that the intoxication of Furtanto had, in great measure, worn off. The earliest indication I had of this was a low moaning cry from the depth of the recess. It was not the cry of a drunken man. There was then a long, obstinate silence. I laid the second tier, and the third, and the fourth. And then I heard the furious vibration of the chain. The noise lasted for several minutes, during which I might hearken it with more satisfaction. I ceased my labors and sat down upon the bones. When at last the clicking subsided, I resumed my trowel, and I finished without interruption the fifth and sixth and seventh tier. The wall was nearly labelled. With my own level with my own breast. Again, I paused, and holding the flamboo over the mason work, threw a few feeble rays upon the figure within. A succession of loud and shrill screams bursting suddenly from the throat of the chained form seemed to thrust me violently back. For a brief moment I hesitated, I trembled. Unsheathing my rapier, I began to grope with it about the recess, but the thought of an instant assured me. I placed my hand down upon the solid fabric of the catacombs and felt satisfied. I reapproached the wall, I replied to the yells of him who clamoured, I re echoed, I aided, I surpassed them in volume and in strength. I did this, and the clamor grew still. It was now midnight, and my ta- and my task was drawing to a close. I had completed the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth tier. I had finished a portion of the last of the eleventh. There remained but a single stone to be filled and plastered in. I struggled with its weight, I placed it par- partially in its destined position. But now there came from out of the niche a low laugh that erected the hairs upon my head. It was succeeded by a sad voice which I had difficulty in recognizing as that of the noble Fotanto, And the voice said, Ha ha ha. he, he. A very good joke indeed. An excellent jest. We will have many a rich laugh about it at the palazzo. He he he. Over our wine. He he he. The amontillado, I said. He he he. Oh, yes, the amontillado. But is it not getting late? Will they not be awaiting us at the palazzo? The lady for Tonto and the rest? Let us be gone. Yes, I said, let us be gone. For the love of God, Montresor. Yes, I said, for the love of God. But to these words I hearkened in vain for a reply. I grew impatient and called aloud. For Tonto! No answer. I called again. For tanto! No answer still. I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture and let it fall within. There came forth in return only a jingling of the bells. My heart grew sick. It was the dampness of the catacombs that made it so. I hastened to make an end of my labor. I forced the last stone into its position. I plastered it up. Again the masonry I re-erected the old rampart of bones. For the last half of a century, no mortal has disturbed them. Well, somebody cut that just right. Somebody somebody cut off the last 25% of the cask of a Montel- Montelado. <clears throat> so, thank you. That was a great one. That was a lot of fun. I hope everyone's having a good time. I'm having a good time. (laughs) Good. Good, new girls. You having a good time? Shy girls, are you having a good time? (laughs) Girls who never say anything, are you having a good time? Twitch chat that never says anything, you having a good time? I'm just kidding. Twitch chat literally never says anything. Okay, okay. <clears throat> he likes to tell you every wicked thing he's going to do to you. Sometimes it only involves pleasure. Sometimes he likes to mix in a little pain. Whether it includes toys or bindings, there's always an element of domination and control on his part. And your body has learned to not only accept it, but to crave it. When he's feeling particularly generous, he'll blindfold you first letting the sensual timber of his voice ensnare you even further. Tonight is one of those nights. He's got your hands bound above your head, your legs spread wide with a bar. You're facing the wall, angled just right, so every now and then your body sways, nipples brushing against the cold cement. The sensation is as titillating as the mounting anticipation as you listen to a slow, deliberate stalk around you. Do you know why I'm doing this? He asks, you don't answer him. You're not exactly sure what he's referencing, the blindfold, the teasing, the predatory nature of the game he plays, or is he simply referring to the fact that you happen to be his favorite human to snatch without warning and play with on a whim? The floor creaks, and he takes a step closer, and a thrill races through you as you feel his body hovering. I know how much you like my voice. It's currently a low, cocky rasp that sends a straight tingle down your spine and sparks a longing in your chest that begins to trickle down the length of you. And you've been such a good girl, keeping my secret that you deserve. A reward. You twist your hands in their bonds, using the pressure and friction to distract you from what he said, instead trying to focus on just the way he sounds. Tonight is your night, sweetheart. That smooth voice is so full of velvet and promise that you feel your legs grow a little shaky. What can I do for you? The way he leaves the question hanging in the silence has you tingling with anticipation. Do you want something to wrap those delectable lips around? He offers, and the sound of him sliding his zipper down sends heat spiraling through the rest of you. The whisper of his pants follows, the weight of his belt clanging as they hit the floor. You're keenly aware... There's nothing but a small pocket of air between you and his already erect cock. You may not be able to see it, but he's always ready, and he never wears anything under his pants. Not anymore. For easy access, he once explained. The Scottish invented that, you know. They were on to something, putting everyone in kilts instead of these jeans you practically have to peel off people like a second skin. The memory tickles your humor, breaking slightly through the haze of your desire. He chuckles, clearly reading what's running through your mind. It's a dark sound, and you're not certain it can be anything but that anymore. Despite the reminder it brings, it also has the heat expanding, seeping down from your stomach straight to your core. If I had my way. You wouldn't be allowed to wear anything, ever. His mouth is right next to your ear, but it's his voice that caresses it more than anything. It's that irresistible blend of breath and huskiness, and you already feel the dampness gathering between your legs. His hand skims along your stomach, causing it to tighten as he caresses his way around the side of your hip. But I'll take what I can get. He lands a smack on your ass, eliciting a surprised cry from you, and your body instinctively jerks. Father, I do love it when you make those noises, he murmurs, but you still haven't told me what you want. His hand dips down between your thighs and your shoulder, and he brushes a knuckle along your folds. Would you like a new toy to fill that sweet little cunt? I've got some new ones we could try out. He teases his finger along your slit, and it's just instinct for you to arch your hips up to him. He's pleased, his approval a low rumble through his chest. Such a good girl. You push back against his finger, trying to get him to do something anything, because just listening to him has you more than ready. Oh, is it me that you want inside you? Is that what you want? You let out a moan as he finally eases his finger in, that chuckle of his sounding again and causing you to clench tight around him. He adds a second one with ease, and you sigh as he begins to scissor them in and out of you. Only... It's still not enough, as he teases you, moving at a painfully slow pace. I want you to fuck me already, you breathe, when you're unable to take it anymore. It's all he needs to hear. It only takes him a second to line himself up with you, and before you know it, he's got completely sheathed, your walls stretching to accommodate him. Your wish is my command, princess. He murmurs, and you only get a moment to adjust before he's giving you exactly what you asked for. The end. (laughs) What a tease. What a tease. Uh go. Well, I didn't read that one very carefully. So, I've got two serious spooky ones to read and two sexy ones to read. I thought that was a serious one. Uh, I didn't read it very closely the first paragraph, I guess. My bad. Uh Do you guys want to do serious or sexy? We've got two of each. Was that a pray did I did I basically just open up the sex doors? Because I can do the serious ones after the sexy ones. Sexy, sexy, sexy. I'm seeing votes for sexy. I'll do, a, I'll do a serious one after the sexy. How about that? We'll see. I'll do a sexy and then I'll ask again. How about that? How about that? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Lesson two is all about driving a man crazy and taking control of an erotic situation. Setting the mood, so to speak. I lean against the backrest, getting comfortable in the chair. So we're going to start with something no man can resist—a striptease from a beautiful woman. C.J. bursts into laughter; her head falling back before she shakes it, sending her ponytail flying from side to side. Ha <laughs> ha! No, no way. I can't. You can. I assure her, and you will, if you want to get an A in this class. She bites her lips, her fingers tangling in front of her in a way that's both endearing and completely sexy. But I I really don't think I can, Graham. I've never done anything like that before. I'll make a fool of myself. No, you won't. She snorts. Yes, I... No, you won't because I'm going to help you. I lift a finger, holding her gaze until she sighs heavily and gives a small nod, which I sense is the closest I'm going to get to enthusiasm at this point. Start by lifting the hem of your dress, slowly, taking your time, owning the room. She reaches out from the bottom of her dress and immediately breaks into another round of laughter. She's gasping by the time she says, I, I can't. Seriously, I can't. Caroline Jessica Murphy. I say in my best displeased teacher voice, Are you going to do as you're told? Or am I going to have to turn you over my knee? She blinks once, twice, her eyes as round as the antique plates hanging on the wall behind her. Are you serious? Why? I let my gaze track down her curves. Would you like that? To have me spank you? For being disobedient? Her eyes go wider. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure I would like that. But you aren't sure that you wouldn't? I arch a brow, heat surging to my groin. She shakes her head and whispers, No, I'm not sure about that either. When you look at me like that, I can imagine all kinds of things I've never imagined liking before. Good. Her confession makes me hotter. Now, take off your dress for me, CJ. I want to see you in the lingerie. She draws her lower lip between her teeth, as she slowly reaches for the hem of the dress and then in one fluid motion pulls it up and over her head and fuck me but she's gorgeous heart-stopping even more beautiful than i thought she would be the blush pink satin is so her the crisscross of fabric across the front suggest are front are suggestive and yet innocent at the same time it's A hint of what's to come. A promise that if I'm very good, I can unhook the lingerie. I can let it fall to the floor and admire her completely. When I saw the color, I knew it would look perfect against your skin. I knew it would make you feel so damn sensual. Does it, CJ? Does it make you feel beautiful, alluring, irresistible? She nods, her lips parting, a slow little murmur falling from them. All of that? Good. Because you are. My gaze drops to the matching garters that hold her stockings in place, and I groan. So fucking irresistible. I motion to her hair. Now your hair. I want it down. You want it down? She echoes, reaching both her arms up, to the band from her hair, setting it free to fall in glossy waves around her shoulders. You're a bossy one, aren't you? I know what I want. And right now, I want you to untie the bow at the top of your corset. I say, my voice low and coaxing, daring her to own the moment. Slow and confident, like you're unveiling a priceless, precious work of art. Her breath hitches but she obeys, pulling at the silk ribbon, making my pulse spike as she loosens the bow on her breasts spill over the plunging neckline. My first glance is enough to make my heart skip. Her breasts are each a perfect creamy handful, graced by a dusty pink nipple. I'm dying to get my mouth on her, but not yet. Not yet. Slow. Easy. If I go too far, too fast, I'll scare her, or hurt her, neither of which is an acceptable outcome. Her hands cross above her chest, and she whispers, I'm embarrassed, proving she's misunderstood my silence. Oh, no. I insist, shaking my head. Oh, no, no, don't be. God, you're beautiful. I was just lost in thought. That can't be a good sign if I'm taking off my clothes and you're lost in thought. Thoughts about how much I want to get your nipples in my mouth. I say desire thick in my voice. How much I want to taste you, every inch of you. You're driving me crazy, butterfly, so please don't. Stop. Show me more of you. Torture me. Slow and sweet. Awareness flickers across her face like the sun rising in the morning, like the power of her sensuality is dawning on her at this moment. It's intoxicating to witness. It's a privilege to see her step into her sexual beauty. Torture, she repeats, exquisite torture. I add. With slow, deliberate flicks of her finger, she draws the ribbon through the eyelet, and then another, loosening the corset until the last bit of ribbon slides free and the silk boning falls to the floor at her high-heeled feet, leaving her in nothing but the lace garter belt, matching panties, and thigh-high stockings. Good. She asks, running a finger beneath the waist of her garter belt. So good. I murmur, my dick so hard, there's no way she hasn't noticed the totem pole erected at the front of my pants. Now, the stockings. Inch by inch, no, centimeter by centimeter, what an incredible fast study she was. It comes to driving me out of my mind. She rolls the stockings down her toned thighs to her knee, then to her ankle exposing more of her soft skin. I pull in a heavy, shaky breath, desperate to feel every inch of her bare beneath me, writhing, calling me names as I glide in and out of her tight heat. She's crossed the line into goddess territory, and by the Mona Lisa smile on her face as she slowly turns her back, peeking at me over her shoulder, she grants me another killer view. I suspect she knows it. How do you feel about stripping now? I ask, now that you're driving me wild with that mind, <laughs> driving me out of my mind with wanting you. Very good, she whispered with a nervous laugh. Uh, but just FYI, I'm not going to be able to get the Carter belt off in a sexy way. It's designed so that I have to take it off and over my head. It tends to get stuck on certain obstacles. I laugh, too, partly because the sound of her laughing is infectious, maybe also because it can be fun to laugh when you're being burned with lust. Obstacles, like your perfect tense. My heart pounds as she wriggles out of the garter belt with her back to me, slaying me with every shift of her hips. You really think they're perfect? She asks, freeing herself and tossing the belt to the floor as I make a mental note to consult with my design team for a garter fix. I do, but I'd like to feast my eyes on them again. Turn back to me. I've seen how gorgeous you look in the lingerie I make. Now... I want to see how gorgeous you look out of it. Slowly, carefully, she turns to face me, revealing nearly every stunning inch of her. She's ridiculously beautiful, the kind of angel fallen from the heaven men write poetry about. Innocence still flickers in her big eyes, making her all the more irresistible. She has no idea how dangerous she's becoming. How easy it would be for her to hold a man's soul in the palm of her hand. Well, I would sell mine in a heartbeat if that is what it took to ensure my mouth was to be on her skin in the next ten seconds. My cock jerks again, throbbing instantly in my pants, demanding to be allowed to attend the party. Control must maintain control. You are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, I say, my jaw clenched in an attempt to keep from scarring her. Scaring her. But my next words still emerge as a growl. Come right here now. She tosses her dark hair to the side again. God, she has a lot of hair, wild hair, all wavy and messy, the way I like it. Now, she asks, teasing me, apparently having no idea how close I am to the edge. Now, I repeat, my voice harsh. By the time she glides to a stop in front of me, my restraint is wearing thin. From the edge of my seat, I reach out and, almost violently, yank her close. The air whooshes out of her lungs as she braces her hands on my shoulders, setting her breasts to bobbing so near to my face, it almost kills me. Did I really drive you crazy? She breathes excitement and surprise clear in her gaze as she meets mine. You still look fairly calm. I take her hand and plant it flush against my cheek, covering it with my own. You feel that? Her eyes widen as my heart does its best to jackhammer through my ribs. Wow. Indeed. I agree, letting my gaze roam over every inch of her. Do I have permission to touch stripper goddess CJ? Oh, yes, please, she whispers, her fingers threading gently into my hair. Carefully, I plant my hands on the backs of her thighs, drawing her closer then skimming my palms up over the ample curve of her ass. I can feel her tremble as I bend to kiss her belly, traveling to her navel, her hip bones. You taste like honey. I open my mouth, my tongue swirling into the hollow near her hip, wanting to lick every inch of her at once. I lower my face to the top of her bluish-pink panties, pressing a kiss to the fabric, inhaling her sexy scent. As I do. Graham, she says my name so softly it barely registers. Yes, Butterfly. I look up. Her brown eyes are fierce and strong and full of passion. There's a problem with my panties. My brown knits. What? A big problem. These panties who tested six ways to Sunday by my design team. I shake my head. I can't conceive of what possible problem there would be. They fit. They feel everything. Looks like it's made for her body. That's what my team does. They make beautiful lingerie that hugs the woman who wears it. The flicker of a smirk spread on her face. That's not the problem. Lauren, Blakely, the V-Card. Boy, we're getting cut off on some good moments tonight. Uh-uh-uh. uh Oh, women are just not allowed to orgasm tonight. Hey, man, I just read the requests. I just read them. I don't pick them. I don't edit them. I just read them. So you're saying I should do the last sexy story now then? You're saying I should absolutely do the last sexy story now? Right now I should do the last sexy story now that you're all wound up? That's when I should do it? If I can get one person on Twitch to say that I should do it now, I'll do it now. One person. One person on Twitch has to say anything. (laughs) I'll just sip your water. I'll just sip water. I'm getting paid either way. So it's your call. You guys, it's your fate. You guys get to decide. (laughs) I didn't get high, so I have enough energy to fuck with all you girls and what you mess with me. That's right. Sober Jack can fight y'all. Sober Jack can take y'all out. Sober jack has rode against legions and was unafraid. <laughs> oh, I guess somebody said something. Okay, okay. <clears throat> One last sexy story. mm kneel. She blinked, saw the beginning of a frown on his face, and scrambled off the bed. Even as she dropped to her knees, her mind protested. She was a smart woman, businesswoman. Surely this wasn't a position she should be in. Her body didn't agree. She could feel her heart speeding up, her skin becoming more sensitive. Every little fiber on the plush shag rug seemed to be caressing her leg. Very nice. He stood in front of her, stroking his hair. Take me in your mouth and suck me. Her mouth dropped open. But what did you say? He was only half-erect. Yes, sir. He set one finger under her chin, lifted her face. Have you not done this before, kitten? Twice. I wasn't very good at it, she admitted glumly. Her last boyfriend had been scathing in his comments over her performance with oral sex. Heck, with any type of sex. Master Z's eyes crinkled. Why don't you take that warm, soft mouth of yours and put it around my cock. You start, and I'll instruct you as needed. He liked her mouth. That was enough encouragement for her to grasp him in her fingers. His cock was soft, and the head was velvety smooth. As she closed her lips around it, to her delight, he hummed in appreciation. Gently, she moved her mouth over his shaft, feeling him stiffen, elongate. The loose skin tightened around the hardness, breadth, and beneath. She took her mouth away to stare. Earlier, she felt like he'd enter her with something huge. He had. Chuckling, he stroked her hair again. Continue, kitten. At least she pleased him enough to get him hard. That was something, right? She slid her lips up and down, wetting him with her mouth. Use your tongue, he murmured. Pretend it's your tongue on your clit. The only difference is the size. Oh. She remembered his mouth and how it felt on her, how his ravening, ravening tongue had licked over her around. The memory made her wet, made her clit throb. With Growing understanding, she tongued the underside of his cock, toyed with the thick veins, and then swirled around the head. Taking him fully into her mouth again, she sucked lightly, the way he sucked on her clit. His hand tightened in her hair. Oh, that's perfect, Jessica. Now, use your hands, too. Hands? Holding his dick with one hand, she put her head back and glanced at him. He moved his legs apart, and his balls swayed, attracting her attention. She'd always wanted to touch a man there to see what they felt like. With her free hand, she slipped her palm under, lifting, letting her fingers caress it, so heavy and soft. But she could tell, somehow, that although he enjoyed this... She wasn't driving him crazy, like he'd done to her. She really wanted to get him off. Returning her attention to his cock, she licked her way back up, then grasped him with both hands at the thick base. She squeezed gently, and the muscles tightened into his legs. Yes, she took him in her mouth again, sliding him in and out, sliding her hands up and down in counterpoint. He grew harder, thicker and her satisfaction was heady, almost as heady as the need growing between her legs, the desire to have him inside her there. Her eager mouth was going to be the death of him, hot and moist. Her awkward movements only made it worse, keeping his attention fully on her and what she was doing. When the urge to pound into her grew overwhelming, he set his hands on her shoulders— You are very good at this, and you're only going to get better. But I'm not finished taking you yet. On the bed, pet. She gave him a final swipe with her tongue, glinted a happy smile up at him, and crawled onto the bed. Ah, the princess felt more in control now. He was delighted that her comfort level had increased. Still... Taking her in a mundane fashion wouldn't serve her well. She was a strong woman whose deepest responses apparently came when she was feeling most vulnerable. The Amore yielded Velcro straps and rope and another condom. He covered himself quickly. As he walked back to the bed with the restraints, he saw the trepidation grow in her eyes. He could feel the hint of uncertainty in her mind. She sat. With her legs tightly closed, her quickening breath jostled her breasts. Give me your wrists, he murmured, and waited patiently through her hesitation. He treasured the way she set her way, her wrists into her grasp. Ah! He treasured the way she set her wrists into his grasp. Her trust in him had grown. Good girl. After smoothing the Velcro bindings around her wrists, he clipped them together and then slid a rope through the links. Picking her up, he turned her and set her onto her hands and knees. Don't go, pet, he cautioned, caressing the breast. Her heart thudded under his fingers, and speed increasing nicely. There was a fine line between fear that would excite and fear that would paralyze the senses but he could feel her increasing arousal overcoming her apprehension. He paused for a moment to stroke her hair. and It was long enough to wrap round his hand, bringing other diversions to mind. The silky strands were a mixture of gold colors slipping over her fair skin as he pushed them over one bare shoulder. He nibbled her nape, pleased to see more goosebumps appear on her arms. Her body was sensitized, waiting for anything he would do. After wrapping a wide strap around her right knee, he slipped her bound hands out from under her, leaving her balanced on one shoulder. Her head turned to the side. Smiling, he tied her hands to the knee strap. Her ass was up in the air, displaying her assets nicely. Perhaps someday they'd explore that perky little asshole. For now, he fingered the little dimples beside her spine before setting his hand up on pretty little cheeks that were still a little swollen from the paddling. A shiver ran through her body, head down, ass in the air, unable to move. Does this seem rather familiar? She wondered unhappily. Her hands were between her legs, tied to the inside of her right knee. She pulled at the restraints with no success, and the inability to move sent an unlikely tremor through the knee slicing through her. Smiling, he tied her hands to the knee strap. Her ass was up in the air, displaying her assets nicely. Perhaps someday they'd explore that perky little asshole. For now, he fingered the little dimples beside her spine, before setting his hands on pretty cheeks, that were a little that were still a little swollen from the padding a shiver ran through her body head down but in the air unable to move does this seem rather familiar she wondered unhappily her hands were between her legs tied to the inside of her right knee she pulled at the restraints with no success and the inability to move sent an unexpected tremor of need slicing through her Apprehension made her heart pound in her chest as she tried to see what she was doing, what he planned. Her skin, even her core, tensed, waiting for his touch. And then his hands closed on her bottom, and she gasped and shivered. He massaged and stroked her silk-tender buttocks, where pain lingered. She shook at the feel of his fingers, the slight pain and excitement rolling together, wetting her between her legs. She wanted more. While one hand teased her butt, the other wakened her pussy, sliding into her juices. He ran a gentle finger through her folds and up to play with her sensitive clit. She tried to wiggle, and his hand on her butt clamped down, held her in place, Don't move, little one. His finger slid across her pussy firmly, then teasing flicks as she could feel her clit swelling. Your sweet little clit is just like my cock, he murmured, soft until stroked, and now feel how it grows harder, bigger. The merciless touching continued, until she throbbed with one, with the need for more. When his hand moved away, she moaned, I don't want to neglect this area. His sure fingers touched the outside of her opening, then spread through the swollen inner labia into her slickness. She struggled for breath as the sensation spread from just her clit to her whole core. Everywhere he touched grew sensitive. And burned with need. She tightened around his fingers desperately, trying to hold him as he slid his fingers in and out. More. She rasped. He stopped, removed his hands from her. Her whole pussy pulsed painfully, and she whimpered. What do you call me? She, he asked patiently. Sir. Please touch me, sir. Better. Suddenly, his mouth was there, where his fingers had been. His slick, hot tongue flicked over her clit, teased her slit with swirling motions, and set her to shuddering. She panted, so close, so close. And then he moved away again, and she groaned, her hands closing into fists. He chuckled, then drove his cock deep into her in one hard surge. She screamed as her world splintered around her, as she spasmed around his thickness, shuddering so hard her legs weakened. His hands held her in place, gripping her hips and keeping her pinned against him. He felt even bigger in this position than the other. Now she squirmed, trying to escape. It felt like his cock had filled her completely but was up against her cervix, and she whimpered again, discomfort and desire mingling inside her. Shh. Just wait, little one. Just wait. He murmured. When he bent her over, his cock shifted inside, driving another gasp from her. He set one muscular arm beside her shoulder to hold himself up, the other hand played with her breasts. He rolled her nipples gently between his calloused fingers until her breasts were tight and swollen, sending a carnal message to her groin. Her hips wiggled slightly as her pussy shivered around his cock, adjusting to the size. He began to move each slide in and out, making her gasp and moan as sensations started piling up like mountains on top of mountains. His hand was on her breast, his lips on her back, his cock inside was big and thick. It sank between her sensitive folds so deep that his balls slapped against her pussy and they sent tiny shocks through her. Slow at first, he increases his speed from a sensuous slide to a hard, forceful pumping. She couldn't move. Her hands were still restrained and she could only take his assault. The feeling of helplessness ran through her, heightened every sensation. Her legs quivered uncontrollably, her whole body shuddered as each merciless thrust sent a stabs of pleasure pouring through her body. She was so close again. Her pussy Heightened around him, her hands closing into fists, and then her fingers left her breast, and suddenly he was stroking her clit. With every thrust of his cock into her body, his fingers pulsed across her tender clit, over and over. She screamed as she came harder than before, great spasms inside shaking her like a hurricane, fire streaming through her all the way to her fingertips. He pulled back, gripping her hips and driving into her. As her, womb, as her womb convulsed around him. Kitten, you could be the death of me, he growled, and then she could feel his cock jolt as he came hard inside her. Thank you, little sub. He nuzzled her neck, her shoulder, before pulling gently out of her. She whined like a puppy from the shocking emptiness. He disappeared for a second to dispose of the condom eyes closed, she didn't see him, just felt his hands as he rolled her onto her side and released her restraints. Come here, little one. He murmured and pulled her on top of him like a limp blanket. He took her lips in a tender kiss, then settled her head into the hollow of his shoulder, and she found nothing in her to resist. His chest was damp, with sweat slick under her cheek, salty on her tongue when she gave it a little lick. Although the muscles covering his chest, she could hear his heart beating in a steady rhythm, nothing like a racing pulse. His hands stroked her back with shocking gentleness after he'd taken her so hard. Her body felt abused, quivery, wonderful. Inside her head, she felt the same way. What was happening to her, that a man could treat her like this, and she got off on it. Got so off on it that she screamed and lost control completely. She was always in control, damn it. She was an accountant. Being in control in bed isn't all it's cracked up to me, Especially for a woman, she mused. Cherise Sinclair Club Shadowlands, Master of the Shadowlands, book number one. Yeah, fun show. No, I didn't get a pizza delivered, you fucking assholes. Where do you? What do you think I delivered that pizza? No, that was my freezer, you jerks. My freezer, my fridge, my fridge compressor went on, and then my freezer started making that ah uh, noise. So that was me pulling out the fridge, which used to get you women wet. It used to get you girls all wet that I could just single-handedly, like, throw a fridge around. But now you guys are like, is that a pizza? So maybe I shouldn't be so nice. Maybe I shouldn't be so fucking cool. <laughs> if that's my reward. <laughs> I wanted to be more approachable until you guys started approaching me. Now I want you guys to fuck off. Oh, I wanted to be more approachable and then people start approaching me all the goddamn time and I'm like, ugh, ugh. Ugh, this shit. <laughs> I wanted to be more approachable. I didn't want to be approached more. I wanted to be more friendly. I didn't want to have to do more shit for friends. What kind of fucking mousetrap is this? All right, guys. As you can hear, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm in a pretty good place. Ali, let's get that tip jar up. I think that's a pretty good place to uh, to go ahead and close it. Thank you guys so much for coming on out tonight. It was a lot of fun doing requests. It was a lot of fun doing your quick quotes. Uh, great requests tonight. We have a couple of creepy ones. Maybe we'll we'll put those creepy ones in in the future, uh, guys. Everything, just about everything, was Halloween or costume or or creepy or spooky related. I really appreciate it. That was a fantastic show. Uh, in the near future, you will be seeing a lot of more content coming up. I can promise you guys, since you guys did come out tonight, I got a major, major, major project done. And now, uh, now we're, now I've handed it off to Ali, so ha ha ha, enjoy that. Uh, but you guys have been asking for it forever, and, uh, it's finally happened. I finally got all of Aesop's Fables recorded in one file, uh... So it's just going to be this big, massive file that you can just listen to whenever it's hours and hours and hours long. Uh, so uh, a lot of stuff like that, hopefully, in the near future. We are coming back. I wanted to, Guys, I really wanted to come back on the first. I did. I'm just going to tell you guys now it's going to be the 8th. 8th of November is going to be that first podcast back. Just letting you know. I did want to come back the first, not quite there. I want to get a couple more in the chamber. As you can hear, the healing up and everything is going pretty good. So I want to go with it just a little bit longer. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate all of your patience, everything else. I'll be back to talk about all the rest, including that extremely scary car crash that I got into that totally totaled my car and I was totally stranded, and everything was super scary. I did talk about that, right? Oh, I didn't? Oh, no, I guess we'll have to talk about that another time. Oh, no, that's so crazy. I didn't talk about that? I didn't talk about that as far as the reason why I've been gone so long is I got a huge car crash in the rain on a highway at 70 miles an hour and was all bruised and my car's destroyed, and, oh, yeah, scared for my I didn't talk about that? That's so weird. That's so unlike me. That's so weird. Oh, man. Anyway, I guess we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, We'll talk about that when I come back and what have you. Uh, I am actually going to put up a post on Patreon uh, with pictures of the car and shit. I am fine. I'm 100% okay. That's why we did a whole show before I even mentioned it. Uh, But it is one of the reasons why I've been out of commission and all the rest. I don't even have a bruise on me right now. Nothing feels bad. Uh, In fact, not only did I not get high today... But before I did the show, like I got up and I cooked and I vacuumed and shit. Like I'm in a good place. Don't even worry about it. Did want to get the news out there, uh, but uh, that information is coming. It's gonna scare you. And if you like me, looking at pictures of the car are going to uh, are going to be scary for you. Just letting you know. No joke. In all sincerity. So. Uh, just want to get it out kind of a light way before I talk about it on the blog, on the Patreon with you guys, because I know you guys care about me. I am okay. 100%. I'm not hiding anything. There's hardly any blood coming out of my ass after two weeks. So it's fantastic. It's barely any rectal bleeding happening. Alright, alright, alright uh i really enjoyed it hopefully you guys enjoyed it too i'm actually going to enjoy the biggest bowl that i've had in a long long time uh as a reward uh again if you didn't hear the singing the singing's on the patreon it's available for everybody i'm going to be putting more and more stuff on there we're back on the 8th thank you so much to everybody who came out everybody who tipped everybody who says anything uh there will be regularly scheduled shit all next month So don't be shy. Feel free, new girls, to come back around the server. It's a very public place. It's very cool uh, when it's open. And uh, some of the nicest girls on the internet are here all the time. Uh, So, again, starting on Thursday the 8th, everything will resume uh, podcast-wise. Looking at the 6th to start resuming everything on YouTube. Uh, But uh, that may start the 13th. But then YouTube, boyfriend experiences, and all the rest... Uh, We'll be gearing up as well. It will resume until the end of the year. There will be a one or two week break. I haven't quite figured out with the holidays yet. And then right back with it with early January. And we'll be doing January through March. No breaks. 12 weeks. 12 episodes in a row. No breaks. January to March. That's our uh, program schedule. Thank you again, everybody. Come out. Get the hell out of here. I'm going to keep talking as long as you're here. So get the hell out of here. Get out of here. Have a nice weekend. Thank you so much for coming out. Give me money. You saw the tip links. You can scroll back up and find them. Give me money. I love you guys too. You guys are real good to me. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you.